right, good to go. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sandscast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensen. Tim, how's it going, sir? It's going pretty good. Just pretty good? Yeah. It's not cold. Today's not too busy. Flying out to Ottawa tomorrow. Nice. What are you going to be doing in Ottawa? We're getting in a guy from MIT to do some uh, economics lectures at my work, so I'm pretty excited. Is it going to be Matt Damon? No. It's going to be the guy from Independence Day. Will Smith? No. The guy who hacked the aliens. Jeff Goldblum? Yes. But not actually, no. Oh, well, I'm disappointed now, Tim. I thought you were going to be talking to Jeff Goldblum. No. Well, the guy I'm talking to is probably one of the best in his subfield, which is frankly impressive given how big it is. So, awesome! I'm very excited. That's good to hear, man. So, I'm really excited to be back this week. And now, before we go on to talk about our week and how last week's episode went, I gotta start off by saying, alert, 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 alert. Yeah. Big piece of a note, big piece of news that we got to share. This coming March. We've got an interview scheduled, Tim. Ooh, that's music to my ears. Absolutely. And this is going to be a big one because this is not only one of the big names we get to cross off our list again, but he's also the first person in the Ottawa Senators organization we get to chat with. Mm-hmm. And the person in hey. question is Sens DJ Alex Marchand. Ah, so my rejoinder was poignant. Yes, well done, Tim. Well done. Thank you. You're welcome. So let's talk about this week because this week is season two, episode nineteen. Is it episode nineteen or episode twenty? You're usually more on top of that than I am, but I could have sworn it was the Andre Benoit episode. It is the Andre Benoit episode, and I totally flubbed it on my end here because what I'm looking at, I have episode forty-seven, season two, episode nineteen. Which is, obviously I didn't correct that. It says Patrick Weirkosh. It is the Andre Bedois episode. So, Tim, do you have any memories of Andre Bedois as a member of the Ottawa Senators? Frankly, no. Yeah, me neither. Actually, that's not true. Because Andre Benoit was on the ice in, I can't remember which game it was during the 2013 second round, where Colin Greening scored to beat the Pens in OT. Ooh, a Colin Greening memory. Yeah. That was like the one big goal he got, and then we gave him that big contract. Right. To be fair, Colin Greening did play quite well in that 20, 2012 season, so... He did. But we also got to give Colin Greening a shout-out, because if it wasn't for him getting that big contract and being a third-liner, the name, third-line plug Sunscast, would have never became a thing. Honestly true. Yeah. So let's go into next week because next week is going to be season two, episode 20 in chronological order, episode 48. Now, we're not going to have a cover athlete for next week because next week is going to be our trade deadline episode, Tim. 
Oh, I thought you were just saying we've never had a number 48. Oh, no, we've had two people, but I'm just like, they're not even really that important. And one of them is Jared Cowan. That barely even counts. I know. That'd be like putting Andre Benoit up for number 61. Yeah, well, we have already have a number 61 in mind, so... And yeah, hopefully. hopefully he'll still be here next week and re-signed, but... That's not here, there, or anywhere, Tim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's go ahead and talk about last week's episode, which was our Third Line Plug is War episode. I kind of got mixed feelings on it. Because... And it's not because of you, it's because of me. Oh, For whatever reason... We- Nothing really clicked for me last week, and a lot of things happened last week. Obviously, we had the big snowfall the last couple of days here last week, so I didn't really get a nap in before we did the episode, and then I heard back to the episode, and the bit that we recorded to go into the episode got drawn out by everything else. Aww. I could barely hear it, and I'm like, no, not again. And it wasn't even... The thing was, and I just realized that afterwards, I said... (laughs) <laughs> because, okay, I'm going to break a little kayfabe here, Tim. Uh, how I usually record it on my end is that, and I'm looking at GarageBand right now. Now, usually when I hit record, the little slider is at minus 3.0. That's yep. perfect because that's where we can speak as loudly as we want and it won't go over, it won't clip, it won't do anything like that. And we won't get any feedback. Yep. So I did it normally how I would do is you do it. The problem is because I did that and when I put it into the intro, it's too quiet. And I could barely hear it. Is there any way we could... I'm guessing there's absolutely no way to remix around that, right? No, there's just nothing... I tried my best to redo it and try and refix it, but I just couldn't do it, Tim. Uh, that's a shame, because I, I felt like, as far as we went, I was really happy with the way that it turned out as we were doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, was, that, yeah uh, I agree. I was really happy with how that bit turned out, too, but it's just a shame that... It was too quiet in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And we'll get another kick at the can. Yep. Hopefully in the next couple of weeks we've got a, a third. Maybe it might be third line plug is war. Maybe it won't. Maybe it'll be something else. Oh, can we do Monday Dirt Raw? Perhaps. I have an idea in mind. But we'll get to that when we get to it, Tim. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about our week. Now, actually, more importantly, because this past week was Valentine's Day. So that's where I'm going to ask you, what did you and Chelsea get up to for Valentine's Day, Tim? Absolutely nothing, and it was awesome. As Chelsea could be the stink guy right now. No. Uh, she just had a bunch of homework to do, so we ordered fried chicken and then did video games. That was it. That's true. It was awesome. right there, buddy. Yeah. Like, normally we'll go for a nice meal somewhere, but this sounds like, yeah, no, too busy. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. We can work around that. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess you guys are how many years in now, relationship-wise? Six. Six? Okay. So you've already passed, like, the five-year mark. So it's just like, okay, what do you want to do now? I don't know. Yeah, and it's like, but at the same time, there's always new places to try and Mm-hmm, yeah, absolutely, man. So hopefully next time I come up to Calgary, you'll have to show me some great places. Hey, I'm not buying you chocolates. Well, I don't have much of a sweet tooth, Tim, so, you know, you don't have to do that. All righty. <laughs> just, so, just so you know now, buddy. Just so you know now. <laughs> well, Tim, that's great to hear that you and Chelsea had a 
pretty low-key Valentine's Day. I'll talk a little bit about my week because, and I already mentioned this, we got hit with snow. Aww. Two feet of it, by the way. Not the, none of this bullshit, oh yeah, we got like three inches, four inches. Nope. There was two feet of snow on my front lawn. Is this bringing back nightmares of, of 1996? No, because I wasn't really old enough to remember 96. 08, we got hit pretty good with snow too, but I think 08 I remember more because that was a pain in the ass. I had to dig every vehicle out we owned out of the snow. I don't remember 08 at all. And I was there for that. Yeah, well, you know, that was high school years, right, Tim? Not everybody's going to remember high school years. Yeah. But it's like... The one I remember is just 2011 because it wasn't that much snow, but it still managed to shut everything in Victoria down. That's right. I do remember that. I remember that we didn't get a ton of snow in 2011, but yeah, I do remember that what snow Victoria got shut everything down. Yeah, it was funny because I remember uh, I was staying at, I was at the university over reading week, but my parents decided be, that they wanted me to have uh a dentist appointment up in Duncan, and it took us three hours to get home. Was it just the Malahat drive that was bad, or what? As soon as he got on Trans-Canada, everyone was going like 20. And even Mackenzie, nobody was going over 30. Ooh, even on Mackenzie, wow. Yeah, yeah I, I guess Mackenzie's only like a two-lane two lane road anyway. Yeah, but it's pretty damn straight. It is. You know, until you get off Mackenzie onto TransCanada, they totally fucked that whole intersection up now. I'm looking at it like going, I don't even know what to make of this anymore. Well, I mean, what they're doing is, like, as a feat of engineering, it's frankly impressive. Because what they're doing is uh, they're managing to keep traffic flow going while they're building an interchange around the two roads. Like, it's actually insane that they've been able to do it with such little traffic disruption. Mm, I don't know, man. There has been some traffic disruption there, but I think it's just from usual construction. I don't think it's from anything else. No, but it's like, that had the possibility to be way, way worse. True. Then there's the rest of us who don't have engineering degrees, and we're just like, this fucking stupid bullshit. Why do they have to change this? Well, I don't have an engineering degree either. I just like city skylines. I got no comment for you. It's a good video game. Anyways, well, Tim, now that we've got that all out of the way, oh, actually, the one thing I did forget to mention, you know how last week you were talking about that you got to miss Eric Carlson playing with the Sharks against the Flames? You did too? Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because of the snow, I had to cancel. I don't think he was even playing, was he? wasn't, he? and that's why I'm a little less upset about it, because I was like, I was like, oh, man, I can't fucking believe this. I have to, you know, I paid whatever money for it. I was in the lower bowl, going to watch Eric Carlson, our Lord and Savior, and a secret man crush. Watch him play. Going to be a great night. Got snowed in. Turned up, didn't even play. Yeah. He's back now. It's just not the same, Tim. I know. I know. And I even considered, maybe it's like, oh, maybe do I want to go see the Sens play the Canucks in March? And I'm thinking, no, I'm trying to get myself out of debt. I don't want to put myself more into debt. And I don't... The Sens aren't exactly interesting to watch. No. 
I mean, as much as I, I like mean... Brady to Chuck and Thomas Shabbat, I'm sorry, I can't do it, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because I don't want to be paying like a hundred and some dollars each ticket to watch a hockey and be sur- surrounded by people watching the other team as your team gets dismantled. I was going to say, Tim, are you used to seeing that, though? Because didn't every time you went to see the Sens, they end up losing to the other team? Not true. Last time I went, they won. Okay. Yeah, I Uh, have the opposite effect where the three Sens games I have seen, we went two out of three. Yeah, I think I'm one for five. That's not bad, actually. One out of five. You know, at least they got the one. Yeah. At least they got the one. Yeah. And it was a 6-1 dropping of Calgary. Ooh, that is true. That is true. Actually, I do remember that, now that you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good times. So, Tim, you know what time it is, buddy? Uh, time to segue into a little section you like to call... Top of the hour. Yeah. Solid. Okay, Tim, let's go into top of the hour. Now, we've got a lot of stories to cover here tonight, so let's get right into probably one of the biggest stories of the week, and that has to come out of Anaheim. The Anaheim Ducks have fired head coach Randy Carlisle after three seasons on the job. Carlisle recorded a 111-74-35 record in his second tenure as Ducks head coach after spending four seasons as head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Ducks GM Bob Murray will fill in as interim head coach. So, Randy, I just want to say, and I know that you had a great career in the NHL as a defenseman with Pittsburgh, Winnipeg, and a few other teams, but Randy, you're fired! Yeah, and this was a long time coming, because as soon as the wheels popped off that bus, you knew he was gone. John Gibson was propping up that that listless shit fest for the better part of two years. Mm-hmm. And... What's actually really amazing is this year is uh, GMs are far less skittish about firing coaches. Remember that it took until the end of the season last year to get our first coach firing in Alain Vigneault? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had two gone. Or is it three gone now? Uh, let's see here. Uh, there's Carlisle, um, Todd McLennan. And there was a third one there, too. Wasn't it Hitch the first time? No, uh, Stevens? Was it John Stevens in Philly? Yes, and then Hextall went with him. Mm-hmm, that's right. Yeah, I, I don't really agree with the, I'm not sure I agree with the Philly one, but yeah, no, it's a lot more interesting to see Axe's fall earlier rather than later. Absolutely, and with all these head coaches and GMs getting fired, it gives me an opportunity to use my Vince McMahon impression. Honestly? Sounds like a win-win. Absolutely. Let's go on to our next story. Google honored Hockey Hall of Famer and former Montreal Canadiens goalie Jacques Plante with a Google Doodle. The Doodle is in honor of the date Plante got called up to the Canadiens on February 12th, 1953. Plante spent 19 seasons in the NHL with Montreal, New York, St. Louis, Toronto, and Boston, recording a 437, 246, and 145 record while winning six Stanley Cups seven Vezina trophies, and became the first goalie to win the Hart Trophy in 1962, followed by Dominic Hasek and Carey Price. Plant's greatest legacy will be known as the first goalie to wear a mask following a broken nose from a shot by Andy Brathgate of the New York Rangers. 
Jacques Plant is a real cool guy, but the 66th anniversary seems a little arbitrary. It was weird. I remember even even seeing that, and I was like, that's weird. What the hell is Google doing with, like, Doodle now? Have they just started to run out of players? Well, I'm not sure it's run out of players. It's just the timing seems weird. But, I don't know. Better late than never. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, no, obviously, I know somebody, maybe Adam or somebody else on Twitter might correct me on that, but Plot was the first one to wear a mask full-time. He wasn't the first goalie to wear an actual mask because I think there was a goalie from, like, the 1920s or 1930s. He wore, like, a leather patch on his face. It looks really weird, and it kind of looks a little creepy, to be honest with you. But then you again, so did Jacques Blanc's mask, too. You think he was just doing that to fuck with people? Maybe. I mean, he's not alive anymore, so we can't ask him about it, but you, know, you never know. Yet. You know, Tim, it's crazy to think that we actually had a story coming out of Russia this week. <laughs> a crazy incident at a children's hockey game in Moscow, Russia, during a tournament in which an argument broke up between two men, resulting in one of the men being shot in the head. Amazingly, the man who was shot appeared to only have suffered relatively minor injuries, all things considered, and is currently recovering in hospital. And you were fucking heartless for laughing at this, Tim. No, I was laughing at, like, I make some sort of zombie joke and you just fucking segue right out. Still heartless. Still heartless, but this is fucking Russia. What could I say? Yeah, only in Russia would this happen, eh, Tim? Yeah, hard to say. I know. This almost sounds like some sort of, like, if you go into places like Spain or some of these countries where soccer hooliganism is still a big thing there, that's almost seemed like one of those kind of things, but for hockey in Russia. For minor hockey. For a kid's hockey game, too. Yeah. I'm always surprised that soccer hooliganism is still a thing. but Yeah, it's died down quite a bit because of, like, you know, social media being a thing and there's security cameras everywhere. So less of it happens... But it still happens. At first, when you said social me- citing social media as a reason for the decline of hooliganism, I thought you meant that people just went and yelled at each other over Twitter, but then realized you meant people capturing it on cameras and then shaming. Mm-hmm. Although the first image is mentally funnier. It is. I mean, it's not funny that somebody got shot in the head, but you know the fact that he only walked away with minor injuries... And I know that even somebody who watched the James Bond movies growing up could make a reference to The World Is Not Enough, where the bad guy that got shot in the head, and now he feels no pain. <laughs> yeah. How many hockey podcasts get to make a World's Not Enough reference, Tim? Many of the ones that are talking about this story. Well, we're the only ones, apparently, so we'll go on to the next story. Calgary Flames prospect Martin Popsil was serving a penalty midway through a game between the Omaha Lacers and the Sioux City Musketeers in the USHL when he blew a fuse and attempted to attack a fan after the fan threw garbage at him in the penalty box. Man, you know what this really brought back memories of? Do you remember when there was a game between the Leafs and the Flyers and Ty Domi was in the penalty box and he squirted the fan with water and the fan dove at him and he popped the glass and fell into the box? Oh, yeah. Stuff used to be more fun back then. I know. But you know what? It's funny that the Calgary Flames are actually mentioning this because 
There was an incident between the Battle of Ontario, Battle of Ontario, Battle of Alberta, where I can't remember who the player was, but like an Oilers fan dumped a cup of beer on the Flames head coach, and the one player jumped into the crowd to go after him. Yeah. Or it reminds me of when uh, Craig McTavish ripped Howie's tongue off. Oh, I do remember that. I remember seeing it on the Sports Center like, years and years ago. I was thinking, ha, that's funny. Then he just threw the tongue over the glass. No, he kept... Didn't he keep it? Nope. No, he uh, he yanked it out, he held it up, and then he threw it up into the crowd. Yeah, but I, all I remember is the Oilers looking at McTavish like, I it was know. just the what-the-fuck moment. Oh, I know. It was good times, man. Good times. However, this next story does not involve good times. A beer league hockey game in Pineville, North Carolina, almost became tragic after Jib Street suffered from a sudden cardiac arrest and remained without a pulse for more than five minutes. Thankfully, Dr. Craig Bryant was on the ice with him and was able to use the arena's in-house defibrillator and CPR to save Street's life. Holy now, this is great to see because every arena I've ever played in whether drop-in or skating or whatever, every arena now has a defibrillator for reasons like this. Well, that's the thing is like, if you don't get if you don't get CPR and the defibrillator going within a few minutes, you're dead. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he was without a pulse for five minutes and survived is frankly insane. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm not sure how long a person can go without a pulse and still survive. Because I know at a certain amount, the lack of oxygen to the brain would totally screw you up, big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it varies by person. Yeah. But no, it's great to see that there was actually a doctor on the ice with him, and the fact that he saved his life, gotta commend him for that. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Something we can't commend, though, is a bunch of pieces of shit. The Fort McMurray Midget A Junior Oil Barons have made the decision to forfeit the rest of the season following a video surfaced of one of the players beating his hockey stick against a trash can lid as his and his teammates jumped around and shouted to the song by Ingenious Electronic Group, A Tribe Called Red. I actually really got to appreciate that name, though. The Fort McMurray mm-hmm. Minor Hockey Association issued a media release saying it was devastated by the players' actions and that the display of ignorance is sad and gravely unfortunate. Weren't the kids indigenous? Nope, nope, but there were a bunch of white kids. Oh, I read somewhere else that the kids were indigenous. No, oh. because if you saw the video, you can tell that they were white. But it's weird that you mentioned that because I don't know of many white kids that would be listening to A Tribe Called Red. I don't know. I've heard a bunch of different things about this story, so I'm not going to pass judgment. There's been a lot of times where you don't, like even in the last month, where you don't get the whole video it looks really bad until it doesn't. Mm-hmm. We've been fooled enough to not pass judgment until we know what exactly it's going on. That is true, but from the from what I did see, the couple of kids that were jumping around in the video were white. So it would... I don't know. I guess somebody would look at that and go, wow, that's really insensitive that a bunch of white kids from Alberta are doing this. If, if they were indigenous, it would be kind of a different story, obviously, because they would be representing their own people, but it didn't look like they were honoring it. It just looked like they were almost mocking it. Yeah, I know. I haven't seen the video, and I mean, eh? Yeah. Like, from what I, what I read somewhere else, it 
I think it was the, I think it was the Globe and Mail suggested that they were no McLean's McLean's suggested the kids were indigenous even though they kind of look white. Okay. Okay. So I, like, I didn't read that article. I just saw the video. So yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to link it to you. Okay. Yeah. Definitely send me it through uh, PMs. Yep. Yeah. So Tim, this episode is going to be a first of some kind because we have never mentioned Ariana Grande on the show. I don't really know much about Ariana Grande. No, we did once. We talked about the Manchester bombing. Oh my god, that's right. I totally forgot that story. Thank you for reminding me about that, Tim. Okay, so I guess I just lied to everybody. Oops. Well, I blew it. Oh well. Yeah. Pop superstar Ariana Grande took to Twitter recalling her younger days of being a fan of the NHL's Florida Panthers after an article of her being hit by two pucks and getting to ride on a Zamboni resurfaced. Grande was only five years old when she was hit by two Iraq pucks while attending games, which she had been doing since she was two years old. Oh, that's really cool. Well, not getting hit by the pucks, but the fact that she even got to ride on the Zamboni is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And I actually said this on Twitter. I'm surprised that the Florida Panthers don't go into some sort of partnership with her because Ariana Grande has a very big and very wide fan base, given that she is probably one of the biggest pop stars in the world today. And given that she has sang the national anthem at Panthers games in the past, it would be a really great partnership. Yeah. And given that their last celebrity partnership blew up in their face, this would be a good way to get it back on track. Yeah, well, we don't know if Ariana Grande did that to kids, though. Oh, Kevin Spacey. Although she's not the first pop singer to sing the national anthem at hockey games, though. Who was the first? Christina Aguilera did for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Nice. I think it was either the 91 or 92 finals. I think she did it. Damn. True story. Look it up. Dallas Stars goalie Antoine Kohlhobin made comments following their game, again, versus the Florida Panthers, stating that playing in front of a small crowd in Florida feels like he's playing an exhibition game instead of a full building he is used to be playing in. Yikes. That's savage. Yeah, because I think in the article that I read about this, they were playing in front of just under 10,000 people. That's brutal. Mm -hmm. Because I know a lot of the Florida teams right now, especially in the Miami area, they're drawing flies. Like, even the Miami Heat right now aren't drawing sellout crowds like they used to. Uh, The Marlins are playing in front of an empty crowd. The Panthers are doing the same thing. The Dolphins is kind of iffy, you know, because, you know, they haven't been good for a while. So I could see them playing to maybe half full buildings. And Florida is one of those states that... They really only sell out when the team is good. And you could use the Tampa Bay Lightning as a prime example of that. Because remember when they were terrible? They weren't selling out their building. No. It was like you couldn't you couldn't bribe someone to the game with free beer. Nope. And it's yeah, Florida, it's you got and honestly, I can kind of respect that. Cause it's like I'm giving you my fandom. You better you better fucking respect that. Mm-hmm. Cause LA is another city like that too because when the Kings were terrible they weren't selling out the Staples Center. The Clippers weren't selling out when they were terrible. The Lakers. Even the Lakers. Yeah and then how many football teams has LA lost? 
They have lost, I believe, two, but they've gotten two back in the last couple of years. And since yeah. the Rams went to the Super Bowl, they'll be playing at full, full, full crowds next year. Mm-hmm. Although, that was a mighty boring Super Bowl. Oh, God, was that ever. I even talked to the head of the school last week, and he never talked about that Super Bowl. And we're just like, because he's a Miami Dolphins fan, he just looked at me and goes, I'm still pissed off the Patriots won again. Yeah. I go, yeah, I feel you, bud. So, Although Tim, do you get... want to talk about a bunch of jerks? Ooh, what are they doing this time? Oh, yeah, I do. Carolina Hurricanes goalie Scott Darling has requested a leave of absence from the Hurricanes for personal reasons. Hurricanes GM Don Waldell did confirm that Darling would be taking a personal leave of absence with no specific reasoning for why. So it's not really a funny story about them being called jerks, but, you know. We could talk about that, but I wish Darling all the best. His time in Carolina has been rough. Yeah, but I do like your analogy, right? That the Hurricanes have built all these really good teams, but it's always the goaltending that has shit the bed for them. Yeah. But hopefully he can work out whatever he needs to. Or maybe it's a happy leave of absence, like he's going to be a dad. That could be good. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe it is a happy story. Who knows? But if he needs time, more power to him. Absolutely, man. We'll definitely have to keep tabs on that, and maybe we'll talk about it next week. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Chicago Blackhawks goalie Corey Crawford spoke to reporters following practice, stating he feels good and it's nice to get back on the ice, while also commenting that he didn't consider retirement following being placed on IR due to post-concussion syndrome. He's had quite a few now, hasn't he? I don't think so. I think he had... Let's see, he had... At least one or two bad ones, and I think that's why they put him on IR. Yeah. A few bad concussions is... You're starting to get into some pretty unfun territory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope he, I hope he's feeling better. Yeah, absolutely, man. Because even though I do think of him as a bit of an overrated goalie myself, I really hate to see somebody lose their career because of concussions. Well, like, if you lose your career to it, that shit's following you for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Because you'll be labeled as that guy. Like, look at Eric Lindros, right? Lindros was labeled that guy who lost his career to concussions. And it wasn't really until he got into the Hockey Hall of Fame that that stigma really lifted. Well, I don't think it's even so much the stigma. I think it's if you lost your career to, career, like, to concussions, it's your mental your faculties have been reduced by some significant amount. Then that's permanent damage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Unless you go into like those hyperbolic chambers where they can get the pressure high enough that they can repair your brain tissue. And I know guys like Paul Korea and diamond Dallas page of all these guys who have done it in the past and they're very regimented about doing that. So if that happens, maybe that's a path that, Corey Crawford and some of these former NHLers should go down to too. Yeah. Yeah, that I don't know enough about the procedure to say anything. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go into our next story, Tim. New York Islanders have announced they will play their first-round playoff games at the former home of Nassau Coliseum. The Islanders would play the rest of their playoff games from the second round onward at the Barclays Center. It's great That's... to see that they're returning to Fort Never Lose, Tim. Yeah. Well, the other thing is it's 
I'm so glad that they're renovating Nassau instead of sticking it with sticking with Barkley. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they are now building an arena in Belmont Park, which was one of the places that the Islanders were long rumored to be building an arena in. So it's great to see that they're finally going to be breaking ground on that pretty soon. Yeah, because, God, Barkley has just been a shit show since its inception. Like, apparently even the Knicks aren't completely happy with the arena. No, and I think it's because... Well, the Nets are just not a very good team, first and foremost. But maybe we could just come to the conclusion that hipsters don't like sports. Oh, come on. Brooklyn's not just hipsters. Okay, what are they also for then, Tim? Large immigrant and Jewish population. Yeah, fair enough, Tim. Former NHLer Joel Wald unofficially announced his retirement at a university at Prince Edward Island alumni event. Ward, who went undrafted, played 11 seasons with Minnesota, Nashville, Washington, and San Jose, recording 133 goals, 171 assists for 304 points in 726 games. Joel Ward hadn't retired? No, apparently not. I didn't even realize he was still sort of active. But apparently, yeah, he's now unofficially retired. Well, I guess, well, he was playing last, he played 52 games with San Jose last year, so... Guy's had a really long career. Mm-hmm. Especially for a guy who went undrafted, too. Well, he didn't even start in the NHL until 26. So are you and saying got... that that gives me hope that maybe I can still join the NHL, Tim? Better get some some of those teams under your belt. Yeah, maybe. Well, is He played four years in CIS. And as far as I'm aware, no one comes out of CIS. Like the Canadian school, that's Canadian uh, collegiate sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he played four seasons with universe with the University of Prince Edward Island. Yeah, which is still, a, what a small school in a small province. I didn't even know it existed. Which the school or the province? The school. Well, now you do, Tim. Yeah, I thought all, everyone from PEI just went to UNB or Francis Xavier. Yeah, apparently not. Apparently, you know, some of them go to either University of Prince Edward Island. Oh, we're going to... If we have anyone listening from Charlottetown, they're probably going to kill us. That's not true. Remember a few weeks ago, we were talking nice things about the Charlottetown Islanders and the PEI Senators. True, true. Yeah. Let's go on to our next story. Former NHLer Sean Birkenheim announced his candidacy for a seat in the Finnish parliament elections this April, running under the Swedish People's Party, a small party formed with the intention of protecting the Swedish language rights in Finland. Bergenheim spent 10 seasons in the NHL with the New York Islanders, Tampa Bay Lightning, Florida Panthers, and Minnesota Wild, playing 506 games, recording 96 goals, 84 assists for 180 points. That's weird. And it's always hard hard to say anything about those sorts of fringe school sorry those sort of fringe parties because they you never know what their beliefs actually are mm-hmm. like there could be i don't know it's cool that he's getting involved but i don't really know what to say yeah well i think hank hill put it best where he's like hey peggy look a fringe candidate poor delusional bastard pretty much although in europe it's not as hard as it is in the u.s no? No, because you have more prop rep stuff versus 
proportional representation compared to first past the post in an enforced two-party system. Okay. Thank you for that, Tim. Let's go on to our next story. Former NHLer Peter Forsberg announced he's returning to the NHL as a player agent, joining former teammate Claude Lemieux as part owner of Four Sports Hockey. Ooh. That's actually kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I have against this is that I don't know if Peter Forsberg has any experience in being a sports agent. Yeah, I feel like you probably want some sort of law degree going into that because you're negotiating contracts. Mm-hmm. But I guess if you hire lawyers with the big thing about that, the value out of Peter Forsberg and uh, Claude Lemieux would be they have player networks. Yeah. They can drive business. Yeah, because so they're like, former players, right? So they obviously have those connections to the players if you bring in, like you're saying, lawyers, they could probably do all like the, like the player agent, sort of stuff like that, and they could be like, "Hey, I'm a player, player. I could be representative, and here's my partner helping me." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the value for four sports. Sorry, that's the value there. Okay. But otherwise, hard to say. True. Let's go to our next story. Now, funny enough, this story may or may not be mentioned when we get to the third game of the evening we got to talk about. But let's talk about it right now. The NHL's Winnipeg Jets and AHL's Manitoba Moose unveiled new logos specifically designed for the This Is Hockey initiative to promote diversity and inclusiveness in the sport. The two new logos were designed with the indigenous culture in mind and reflect the design and uh, aesthetic of Manitoba's many native tribes. I thought they looked really cool. I actually, yeah, I totally agree. And I remember seeing that when I watched the game. I was like, those actually look really nice. Well, they look nice. And it's awesome how they brought in local indigenous tribes to participate in unveiling the logos and opening up the game. I thought that was that was the best part of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm really happy to see that uh, True North Sports is committed to bringing in the indigenous community in some way. Yeah, that's a really great. And <clears throat> excuse me, the fact that the Winnipeg Jets can include many of the native tribes within Manitoba and they can give them that spotlight to say somebody like myself who watches the games who maybe doesn't know a lot about these tribes, we could either look into it if we're interested or even some of the native tribes would be like that we're finally getting some recognition. Mhm. Yeah, and and it's positive recognition. Mhm. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go to our next story. Pittsburgh Penguins forward Evgeny Malkin has has been suspended one game after he viciously swung his stick at the head of Flyers forward Michael Raphael. Correct me I'm, if I'm wrong. Has Evgeny Malkin been suspended already? Uh, I'm sure he has. I, I could not find any record of him actually being suspended in the NHL. Because when I saw this story... I'm thinking, he only got one game for that? But the thing is, and I watched the video, it didn't look like he connected. If he had connected, that would have been 10 games right there. But the fact yeah, that he that's... swung and he missed, I can kind of see why he only got one game. But I was also thinking, like, he's got to be a repeat offender. Like, why is he only getting one game for this? Well, here's the thing. Oh. is I'm not sure I agree that he should have a lower, a lower suspension just because he missed. The intent's there. 
Mm-hmm. And he, and he's been known to be a dirty player too. So he's not like he doesn't have that reputation in the NHL. Yeah, and this isn't a court of law where outcome outcome is one of the main determinants of a crime. Like this is a sports league where you're trying to keep where your main prerogative is the safety of the players. You and you're already foregoing the adversarial nature of uh, a court of law, so you might as well just be like okay, there's an obvious intent to injure here. That's going to drive our punishment more than the injury outcome. And I think that'd be more efficient in stopping players from getting injured. Yeah, kind of look at Marty McSorley, what he hit Donald Brashear about 20 years ago. Holy shit, that is almost 20 years ago now. Yeah, 2000, man. Fuck, where'd the time go? Uh, I don't know. I think after all these years, we were just trying to get over the Y2K scare and... Then 9-11 happened, and, you know, boy boy bands died out, and new metal died out, and, you know, all kinds of things happened, and both good and bad. Yeah, but it's the way she flies. It's the fucking way she goes, boys. Hmm. This next one's interesting. Mm-hmm. Boston Bruins have signed Lee Stepniak to a personal tryout with their AHL team, the Providence Bruins. Stepniak recorded 203 goals, 266 assists for 469 points in 909 games with the St. Louis Blues, Toronto Maple Leafs, Phoenix Coyotes, Calgary Flames, Pittsburgh Penguins, New York Rangers, Winnipeg Jets, New Jersey Devils, Boston Bruins, and those bunch of jerks, the Carolina Hurricanes. Lee Stepniak is one of those guys who's played everywhere, everywhere, man. I know. If Johnny Cash was still alive, he would write a sequel song about him. Yeah, and it's interesting because he's like, he's one of those guys where I'm never sure if he's actually good or not. Yeah, he he was always, to me, he was always a bit of a fringe player. Definitely a bottom six guy, not a superstar. Was just kind of there. But then again, it's like, in 2015 and 2016, he was able. He had like a 40 point season and a 51 point season, so it's like there's something there. He's definitely a fringe third liner, fourth liner, but he can put up points if he has to. So it's like I really don't know what to say about the guy. Like at the same point, it's not like he can really. It's not like he's great at getting out of the zone. His shot contributions are actually they're like second quartile, so not great, but not bad. Mm-hmm. for a third liner gets lit up a bit but i don't know i think uh at 34 at 35 he might be near the end of the road yeah maybe he just wants one last kick of the can and then he might just retire and run off into the sunset yeah can't say no yeah chicago blackhawks have re-signed goalie colin dila to a three-year contract worth three million dollars with the aav one million Dealer recorded a 6-2-3 record with a .923 save percentage at the time of the signing. This is absolutely a steal for Chicago because he has been one of the bright spots for the Blackhawks this season. Yeah, and getting him locked up three years at a million? Can't can't argue with that. No, absolutely not. So, Tim, we've got four trades to talk about, and we're going to start off with the Montreal Canadiens have acquired former Ottawa Senator Nate Thompson from the LA Kings for a 2019 fifth-round pick that previously belonged to the Arizona Coyotes. Thompson recorded four goals, two assists, and six points in 53 games for L.A. this season. 
You know how I was saying that Nate, that Lee Stepniak was a fringe player who was okay as a third liner, but never really did much? I'd argue Nate Thompson's probably a bit worse. I don't really see what Montreal... Well, okay, let me be fair. Nate Thompson is actually a very effective penalty killer. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Yeah, but but you know what? They really didn't give up much. They only gave up a fifth rounder for him. Well, they moved down 10 slots, essentially. When you look at the actual draft picks, they moved down 10 slots. That's it. That's it? Yeah. So, like, they didn't give up much, but it's Nate... You're taking on Nate Thompson, who has another year on his contract with an NTC. Yeah, who came up with the idea of giving him an NTC? Oh, fuck if I know. I don't think it was Dorian, was it? It was Dorian. Of course it had to be fucking Dorian. Pittsburgh Penguins have acquired defenseman Blake Siblinger for a conditional 2019 pick from the Columbus Blue Jackets. Sid Beniller recorded one goal, one assist for two points in 17 games with the AHL's Cleveland Monsters. Minor league pickup. Yeah. I don't... I'm 100% convinced I didn't say his last name right, but, you know, he's just a minor league pickup, so there's not much I can say about it. Yeah, it's not a league we pay enough attention to to really make an educated opinion. True. Vancouver Canucks have acquired goalie Merrick... Mazanek from the New York Rangers for a 7th round pick in 2020. Mazanek recorded a 7-8-3 record with a .903 save percentage. With a bunch of the Canucks goalies already dead and uh, DiPietro getting absolutely lit up against the Sharks, the Canucks had to do something. Yeah. And- God, you know, it's, it's like uh, they only had a goalie that they didn't trade away earlier this season, Tim. You mean lost on waivers? That too, but we they also traded a goalie away to an Eastern Canadian team who later turned it around and actually did very well for that team. Yeah, weird how that happens. Yeah. Well, but, Tim, let's close out top of the hour by talking about the Edmonton Oilers have traded Cam Talbot to the Philadelphia Flyers for goalie Anthony Storlos. Talbot recorded a 12-15-3 record with a .893 save percentage with Edmonton, while Stolarz recorded a 4-3-3 record with a .902 save percentage with the Flyers. I get this trade. It gets money off. It gets a bunch of Talbot's money off the books. Mm-hmm. And it's not like their defense will support a, re- a goalie of average skill, so might as well not even bother. True. It makes sense. Yeah, and the Flyers... I believe, if I'm not mistaken, now hold the record for the most goalies played in one season with one team. Yeah, it's it's an obscure record. But it's yeah. one I greatly appreciate, especially because our boy Mike McKenna is part of it. That is true, Tim. That is true. And it's funny because, like, I would say the Flyers are actually a competently built and coached team. And if their, if their crease wasn't an absolute fucking shit show... They'd probably be a playoff team. Oh, I know. But you know what? It's just the way that the Flyers are, right? They, they could build a team that has all these really good pieces there, but for whatever reason, they don't gel. Yeah, and it's almost like the Carolina curse. Oh, that is true. That is true, Tim. I mean, much like Carolina, Philly has always had goalies that shit in the bed for them in the end. But then again, they did go to the Stanley Cup riding Michael Layton. 
Is that like the most fucking Philly thing ever? Mm, no, I think playing nine goalies in one season is the most Philly thing ever. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, Tim, that wraps up top of the hour, which means it's time to head on into the three games we're going to talk about tonight. We've got the Sens versus the Hurricanes, Sens versus the Red Wings, and the Sens versus the Jets. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> okay, Tim, let's start talking about the Sens versus the Hurricanes. This is a 4 1 Hurricanes victory. Hurricanes goes with scored by Tivo Turavinen with two, Michael Ferdland, and Justin Williams. Sens goes with scored by Mark Stone. Shots were 37 26 for the Hurricanes. A mixed bag game overall with a boring first and a much better second period. Ottawa completely fell apart in the third period, which led to Carolina taking a three-goal lead to the W. Let's just start off by saying this. Cody sees these double minor in the third period. It was fucking dumb. Uh, that's what Tully Clock does right there. And it's not even... Part of me wants to point that out. But another part of me is that they scored like 23 seconds into the third period. Yeah, and I find that Ottawa's an interesting team because like when it rains, it pours. Yeah. So yeah. like they'll be fine and then just they'll get crushed all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And you know, I actually really feel for Anders Nelson in this because with a 33 saves and a .892 save percentage, I felt he did look decent in throughout this game. Until the third period when his defense left him out to dry. Yeah. And that second power play unit got, sorry, penalty kill unit got brutalized. Absolutely. But the one thing I do got to comment on about the Carolina Hurricanes is that I actually got to give a lot of credit to their defense because they played a really good defensive game, smothering Ottawa's offensive attack a number of times throughout that game. Well, I mean... You've got a defense that Jacob Slavin, Dougie Hamilton, the good Justin Falk, and Brett Pesk. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Kelvin DeHaan and Trevor Van Riemsdyk as your third pair. That's a really good decor. Absolutely, man. And I got to give them a lot of credit because I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because I look at Carolina and I just think, oh, you know, they haven't made the playoffs in nine years and are they really that great? And then we actually play them and we we see this team come at us and we're like, oh, that's right. Carolina's this team now. Carolina's actually good and they find, it looks like they might finally have a goaltender that, now that they've brought in Curtis McElhaney, which might be the weirdest fucking sentence I've ever said. I know. But you know what, Tim? That could also be the most Carolina thing ever is that Curtis McElhaney could be their best goalie. Yeah, but McElhaney, he's had like a sec... The second half of his career has kind of been a renaissance for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, so, Tim. Not totally weird. And the fact of the matter is, is Carolina is right in the thick of the wild card. I think they might have actually slipped into the wild card. I think they're in the second wild card spot when I last checked. Yeah, and I, I think they'll be hard, a lot harder than people think to dislodge. True. No, they're tied with Montreal. Are they? Okay. Sorry, no, one point shy of Montreal. Ah, okay. Uh, one and, guy I do want to point out for the Senators was Brady Tuchuk. Uh He had four shots. Did actually look pretty decent, and he did try to get something going in this game. Which is more than you can 
other than like the free agents and Bobby Ryan, that's more than you could say for a lot of players on the Sens. True. But yeah, but I really do like watching that Mark the Stone Kachuk line, Stone Kachuk White. Oh, no, that's such a beautiful line. That's why I mention it every time that I get a chance to, Tim. You know who actually has had a strung together a few really good games, and I don't think it can. I'm not sure the Detroit game counts for this, but I've, I've actually thought that hey, Arby's turned it around a bit. Of course, it's interesting. I actually, when you were saying that, I'm thinking, how much you want to say he's going to probably say somebody like Chris Tenieri? No, it's like ARV's up until this game, ARV had actually been playing quite well and hadn't been an absolute anchor, which is more than we can usually say about him. That's true. Now, whether Honestly, or not I... he's here next season remains to be seen, Tim, but, you know, he's not here there anywhere. But then again, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd mind if he was gone. But Bobby Ryan also looked quite good. Like, he just owned the competition when he was on the ice, which you couldn't say that for most of the other senators, but Bobby Ryan had a really good night. Yeah, absolutely. So, Tim, I don't have any more comments to make on this game if you want to head into the second game of the evening. Yeah, no, this looks like a game that I didn't watch the game, so I can just really look at the byline, but I feel like Ottawa played really well until that third period when the wheels fell off the bus. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. Sens versus Red Wings. This is a 3-2 Red Wings victory. Sens was scored by Brady Dechuk and Matthew Shane. Red Wings goals scored by Andres Athena Siu with two and Franz Nielsen. Shots were 42-29 for Ottawa. A pretty even game overall. Despite Ottawa's defense being eaten alive in the first period, Ottawa did improve on both sides of the puck and were able to tie the game at two. Detroit were on the attack all night on both sides as well, which led to an exciting finish to the game. So I got to talk about Jimmy Howard, 40 saves, a .952 save percentage. To me, absolutely stoned on him on this game. Jimmy Howard definitely played a very good game. Mm-hmm. But Ottawa gave Anthony Sia too much space. Yeah, but he actually saw some really good shots in this game. It's not like in other games that we talk about where the goalie see the shots from the outside. Like, Ottawa was in the slot. They were outside. They were all over the place shooting the puck at him. But he did make some really good saves in this. And honestly, it's, I mean, good for him. But it is kind of a shame given that I did feel that Ottawa really could have tied it up during the third period. Yeah. I didn't get to see much of the seventh defenseman. Was he any good? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess he didn't get to see much of himself getting seven minutes. True. Brady to check, though. One goal, six shots for me. Hands down the best player for Ottawa in this game. Well, I mean, if you're getting six shots in a game, you're doing something really right. And I'm glad that Brady Kachuk has consistently played well through this first season of his. I actually thought Thomas Shabbat played quite well as well. He did. And actually, a guy that I noticed because he got a shot off on net was Rudolph Balsers. He didn't play much, apparent, from what I understand, he didn't play much. He only had the one shot, but the one shot I did see was right up close. Mm-hmm. Well, the nice thing is, is he got 10 minutes. Yeah. And that means that he's not getting hit as much. But, fuck, man, if you're going to play the seventh defenseman six minutes and play Shabbat and CC 27, 
just play regular lines. No, Tim, this is Guy Boucher we're talking about. He doesn't understand that logic. Ah, fuck. I feel like Guy Boucher is... You know the galaxy brain meme? Yep. Guy Boucher is the galaxy brain coach. True. And this just reminds me of... Ah, what game? Three weeks ago when we were talking about... uh, I think it was... No, it wasn't Montreal who were aligned. Oh, it was the Coyotes where... He instead of just pulling the goalie, he had like Dzingel sitting on the wall of the bench because that's a that's what's legal. He had like four guys lined up at the dot, and then the fourth guy next to Dzingel on the bench to take the last base off. Mm-hmm. It was like this is retarded. You could just pull your goalie and overwhelm the faceoff dot instead of your stupid trick play. True. Uh, one final note I do want to make on this game is that there were a couple of hits from behind by Detroit that went totally uncalled. And the two players that got hit was Chris Tierney and Colin White. Like blatant checks from behind that could have injured them. Which is a shame because like those guys were playing quite well. Especially the well, Colin White on the Mark Stone and Kachuk line. They, they're usually doing quite well. And, well, frankly, I think most of the Ottawa forward pairs were doing pretty good, except the Pajot line didn't really show up. No. Well, it didn't help that the D got, the non-Shabbat D got eviscerated. Yeah, that is true, Tim. Yeah. So, so, Tim, are you ready to go on to our third and final game of the evening, which actually was a Senators victory? Holy crap, tell me more. Sens versus Jets. This is a 4-3 Senators overtime victory. Sens was scored by Mark Stone, Rudolph Balsers, Matt Duchesne, and Ryan Dezingle in overtime. Jets goals were scored by Tyler Myers with two and Chris Tanev. Shots were 42-26 for Ottawa. A mixed bag game overall. While Winnipeg outplayed Ottawa in the first period, the advantage began to swing in favor of Ottawa in the second as their play improved on both ends, which resulted in it being a close game before Dezingle won it in overtime. So let's go right into it. Let's talk about the UFAs because those three guys had six points, including the Zingle OT winner. Yeah, it's good. If all three of them are gone, this team is more abound for the seller. Yeah. Because they're doing all the lift. Like them and Shabbat are doing all the lifting right now. Although that Rudolph Balser's goal was very pretty. Oh my God, was that ever. This is probably one of the first games that I've actually noticed Rudolph Balser's playing and it's funny i want to make a comment here because i was sitting on the couch watching it and my mom heard the name balsers and she just chuckled and she goes at least his first name's not blue yeah but rudolph balsers got to play 12 minutes which is actually pretty good here's the other thing though they played normal lines but then our daniel ultra played four fucking minutes what's the point I don't know, man. I really don't know. I mean, at that point, why don't you just play 12 and 6? Just play normal. No, Archibald was this. He was the 12th forward. Oh, was he? Played he? Four minutes. What's the fucking point? Play players for a decent amount of time. Yeah, I know. And I understand the idea about giving these guys sheltered minutes. But if you're only playing them four, five minutes in a game, well, what the hell are you even having them up here for? Put him in the minors. Let them play. 
pretty fucking much. Because look at how well but, Belleville's doing right now, man. Look at all the guys. Like, they got Brown down there, Shalapik's down there, Formanton's down there, Batherson's down there, and they're all killing it right now. Killing it, yeah. But one thing that was interesting about this game is uh, both teams were fairly inept at 5-on-5. Five five. Although Otto did an excellent draw of continuously drawing penalties continuously drawing power plays however at the same time it looked like for at least the beginning of for most of the game the teams were completely incapable of scoring in any other game state than an ottawa power play Mm -hmm. literally only the tyler myers tyler myers goal to tie up the game at 3-3 was scored away from five on was scored at five on five that's bizarre it is Excuse me. The one line that I always got to mention every time they play great to Chuck White Stone, great as always, Tim. Yeah, it was interesting because I feel like they really took advantage of just completely lackadaisical play by the Jets. Like the Jets just did not show up whatsoever after the end of that first period. And if I'm the Jets, like I know Jets fans themselves were fairly obviously not content and are looking for backup with their chance of we want stone but like if i'm the jets i'm worried that you're getting a performance like this against literally the worst team in the league yeah because i mean patrick line was just nowhere to be found in that game and you can even tell like he tried to get one shot and he completely whiffed on it yeah and like line has been horrifically snake bitten Mm mm-hmm but, I don't know, it's just, like, granted, Winnipeg does have some big injuries, like they're missing Bufflin and stuff, but still, you gotta play better than that. Absolutely. So, I got a couple more notes I want to make here. Anders Nilsson, 23 saves at .885 save percentage. I thought he looked pretty good, despite the sub-900 save percentage. Uh, Rudolph Balsers, one goal on four shots, and as usual, CC and Harper were awful in this game. Yeah. I didn't really like Dylan DeMello's game. No, DeMello, yeah, DeMello was caught from the puck up left and right. But the one thing that I noticed in this game, and I even because I mentioned it with Ben Harper, I don't know what the hell Ben Harper was trying to do. It almost looked like he was trying to do like what Thomas Shabbat does, where he just picks up the puck and skates it out of the zone. Because he tried to do that, and the puck either bounced over his stick, or as soon as he caught it and turned, two jets were coming right at him. Yeah, like, he was very easily victimized. And I think, but it's hard because it's like, trying to skate out the puck is the right idea. Yeah. And you'd think he'd be able to do it better with his frame, but maybe he just doesn't have the hands. No, I mean, obviously, there's very few big guys who can do that. Uh, Most notably, Chara's pretty good at that when he was younger. Bufflin's really good at doing that. But yeah, Ben Harper's just, I totally agree. He doesn't have the hands. He's definitely a big guy, and I think maybe that's why he has a job in the NHL today. And But yeah, other than that, he's not a great skater. He doesn't really move the puck well. At least with CeCe, you can tell that when he does try to handle a puck, he can move it. It's just you can tell he's so unconfident with the puck that it's almost like, okay, why are you even trying now? Yeah, it's almost like I kind of wish that they'd kind of help him with they kind of help him out with that a bit more because i feel like it's something that he could do a lot better but the weird thing is is like 
Ben Harper's like when he's playing well, he's oddly good at getting the puck out of the zone. Mm-hmm. He just gets hummed in so goddamn easily. Yeah, like, I don't know. I really don't know what Harper's doing, man. Because and obviously, like I said, right, he can't move the puck well, and maybe that's why whenever he gets the puck, he just chips it out, knowing like, yeah. okay, we've got guys up front who can get the puck, and Mark Borowiecki is another guy who also does that, but Boro knows that's not his game. He knows his game is to run around and throw his weight at everybody. But what's really interesting with Ben Harper, though, is, like, when he's on the ice, he's there's one thing he's really good at is clearing out the area in front of the net and forcing shots, surprisingly, to the outside. Mm-hmm. Ottawa is, sure, he's the biggest wet blanket for Ottawa's defense out there. But... Ottawa gives up worse shots with him off the ice than with him on the ice. So there's the weird thing is there's something there's something there with Ben Harper. I don't know what it is. Like he might actually just be a big shutdown defenseman who can play in the bottom set, like your bottom line. Mm-hmm. But Ottawa just doesn't have enough skill to have Ben Harper, and that be okay. Yeah, and maybe that's why Harper feels that because of the lack of talent around him, he has to try and make a move or try and move the puck. Yeah, because, like, if Harper just uses his body to force people to the outside, he's doing his job. Yeah, because you remember when he first came up to the big club, that was his role, that he was the shutdown third-pairing defenseman. Well, okay, let's be honest, like a seventh defenseman at best. But with the lack of talent around him, he's now playing second-pairing minutes, and he's so inequipped to play it. And I'm just like, oh, man, this is not cool. And hopefully in a couple of years when we actually have talent on the team, we can look back at this moment and be like, hey, remember that time we thought Ben Harper could play on the team? Pretty much. I think he's fine as a sixth or seventh defenseman. But they're not not, using him like that. No, he's not the worst, honestly. Like, I think Ben Harper is a better option than Cody. He's probably a better option than Cody Ceci. And a better option than Borbievsky. Mm, Boro, yes. CeCe's kind of iffy. Because at least with CeCe, you can tell that he can actually move. But it's when he has the puck, he's so unconfident. He's just not confident with the puck. Yeah, fair enough. I think, like, yeah. Harper is definitely... If you had to choose between... If you had to put a gun between my head and said I had to include... I can have whatever NHL team I want, but I have to include one of Boro or Harper. I'd take Harper. So, Tim, I don't have any more comments if you want to head off into the close for another evening. My only comment is, man, those I really like that Indigenous-themed logo that the Jets came up with. I did, too. That was a really nice touch. Actually, speaking of Indigenous, now I know it's not really kind of related to them, but uh, just a quick update here on the Sens-Blackhawks game from tonight. They're currently in the second period, tied at five. Tied at five? Yes. Here's the stats right here. Anders Nilsson, four goals against, 12 shots against with eight saves. He's a .667 save percentage. Ain't that something. Yeah. Fucking Colin White has three points right now, and he had two shots on goal with two goals. Are the goalies even real? Is it just are the goalies were the goalies replaced with two mid with four midgets and trench coats? Maybe. 
And apparently, Balsers and Ryan have scored with each with one shot. Hey, there's been 38 shots total in 10 goals. What the actual fuck? I know, and the fact that we're not going to be talking about this game next week, Tim, because we got our trade deadline episode coming up. Talk about this game next week. Because this is probably the game that's like, where the free agents are both like, it's like, is this the type of hockey we're playing? It's either fuck it, this is cool, or fuck it, we're going home. Ottawa had 16 shots in the first period. It scored on four of them. What the hell? Are you saying that we may or may not have to talk about this game next week, Tim? As a, with all the trades that we have to talk about? I mean, I think it's fun. But okay. also Cam doing Cam Ward things. True. Two goals on nine shots. Yeah, we'll definitely have to make a comment about it next week, Tim. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, guys, with all that out of the way, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. You can find us on iTunes. Please listen, rate, and subscribe. We're on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Third Line Plug Sensecast. And because our bot Dave made the mention, we're on Google Play Music. You can find us on Twitter at Third Line Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at M901 Honey Badger, and I'm at Great White Gipster, GR8. W-A-T-E, Gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about some of the stuff that we talked about tonight, or you want to talk about how the hell the Sens and Blackhawks are actually tied at five in the second period, shoot us an email, thirdlinepluggedsenscast at gmail.com. Okay, Tim, so here's the three games of the week that we may or may not be mentioning for next week. we got tonight's game versus the Blackhawks, like we mentioned. We've got Thursday, we're in New Jersey to play the Devils. And Friday, the Columbus Blue Jackets come to Ottawa to play the Senators. Ooh, that does sound like a fun, like a fun bunch of games. Mm-hmm. You know, well, unfortunately, we'll probably have to talk about Sens being traded. Oh well, definitely. Yeah. Although, you know, what make us feel better about Nielsen giving up four goals. What? At least we're not like the the Jackets tonight. We scored, we scored five of our own. True. Tampa's up five nothing. Oh, that's so true, Tim. Until next Please. week, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensey. Go Sands, guys. Woo! My time here is up. They're going home!